What is your why? Welcome to the No Boring Stories podcast. You know you can use storytelling to captivate your audience, clarify your message, and grow your business and impact like never before. That's why I'm here. Each episode bringing you transformative stories, expert storytellers, and my signature storytelling tools, all to help you tell a better story. Because there's no such thing as boring stories, just boring storytellers. I'm your host, Alex Street, and I've been to two film premieres in my lifetime. One was Rush Hour with Jackie Chan, and the other was my brother's feature film. Today on the show, we've got my brother, Thomas Street, on the show. He is a narrative director for a major video game franchise. He has been in the film industry for 25 years, basically doing every role there is to do. And he taught me just about everything I know about storytelling. So in this episode, we talk about his story. We talk about storytelling, what makes a boring story. We talk about our upbringing and why we care so much about stories. And of course, he makes fun of me. I make fun of him. You know, a little brotherly love. Hey, look, you're going to get a lot out of this episode. If you have been trying to figure out what is your why, what is your motivation? What is the thing that drives you to do what you do in this world? That's where we really dig in today is defining that character motivation with you being the main character. If something stands out to you in this episode, then please share this on your social media so that others can experience the same kind of transformation. Don't forget to rate and review this on your podcast player and know that I know you could be anywhere in the world right now, but you're choosing to be here and I'm forever grateful that you are here to engage with these not boring stories. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Thomas Street. Now let's get into it. Welcome back to the No Boring Stories podcast. I'm Alex Street, your host. And today we have the person that I most respect in the storytelling sphere, the person that never has a boring story to tell me, or if he does, I at least feel okay enough to tell him this is a boring story. And that's because it's my brother, Thomas Street. Brother, how are you? Hey, I'm pretty good. Pretty good. That's a, that's a tall order for me because I know how much you enjoy a good story, and from yes. our upbringing, how much story is a part of our DNA. Okay, let's talk about that. Let's dive right in. What is our storytelling DNA? Because I talk about it in my own way, but I want to hear what your what what's your perspective? Why do we care so much about stories? Where does that start? It starts with. Um, I mean, we were raised in a household that uh, was theatrical, like, you know, uh, so, so the way that I often say is I have a photographer father who for 30 years was, you know, world renowned, traveled the world, told stories through a single frame. I have a theatrical mother who spent, you know, traveled from country to country at the young age of 18, 19. Yeah. Um, chasing the dream of performing on stage and eventually, you know, did loads of it. It was amazing, mm-hmm. but viewed the world as a stage as a long form storytelling platform. Um, and then there's our stepfather who's also from stage and yeah. the theatrical background. And again, you know, you view the world, you view people as characters, you view everybody as an audience. Um, and if you go back further, you even have that, like, our grandfather was a playwright who also ran an interior design store. You have people who loved the arts so much that even when it couldn't be their main profession, it was it took up a lot of their time. 
um, and and never stopped. You know, I have a box of all of his old plays here. Uh, I to be read. I may have known that. I mean, as you say that, I'm like, oh yeah, but I that would never have come to my mind. I would never have thought and and gone that far back. That is fascinating to me. That of course, yeah. of course, she became uh, an actress because mm-hmm. he was writing the plays. So she grew up, and I've never, yeah. I've never done that connecting Pete. And, and I mean, oh, that's yeah. the beauty. That's in the beginning, in the beginning, before the before. Before the before. And you know what's fun about that is because when, when you start exploring the before the before of any character or any story, yeah, it, it often gets really, really interesting. It doesn't always make for necessarily the best you know, slice that you've picked for the movie that you're making, and, uh, as an example. Um, yeah. And because, because I'm so... Um, interwoven with film and storytelling that way that's probably what my references will be as i drop them but it would be you know they always say drop into the story at the last moments get out just before you know you should and so would you tell the story of us with our grandfather that you never met i don't even think i ever met him but i know of him on stage because i have his plays i have his typewriter on the wall over here but it's Um, the kind of thing where you want to if you were trying to elevate for the audience so let's say they're watching mm-hmm. your life and you're trying to get a script done, which I want to talk about in a second, why you care about stories so much, what it is that you actually do. But um, if they were like, okay, but why does this guy actually care so much? Why is this actually his calling? Then, then it would be a quick, mm-hmm. it might not be this big retelling, but it could be a quick shot of you pulling out one of his playwrights and then it, you know, has the last name. It wouldn't be street, but um, yeah, some, some sort of connection that this goes back. Uh, when you start to see a lineage yeah 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 and then that would elevate now as soon as we see that what does that do for the audience that do for the well it just says like oh it's in their background it's they're born to be this way right right? and and that's so like you know generational um skill sets that get passed down yeah right that concept that three generations later you may not be a mechanic like your grandfather was you but you probably know how to fix a car you probably know how to how to you know adjust the air filter on your automobile just from osmosis. Well, um, so okay, so there's a skill set there, but that doesn't matter. It's the feeling. It's that. It's that. Oh, it's, he has it's to. It's the do feeling this. and the passion for it, the understanding for it. I think. Yeah, yeah, like like that. You know, using that mechanic analogy, that you're you're drawn towards toying with it, even though it's not what you do as a living necessarily. At some point, maybe you've slightly shifted. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if we've both gone through phases where we're not telling stories at uh-huh. the center of what it is we're getting paid to do, mm-hmm. um, because you can't always do that. It just doesn't, it's not always in the card, especially when you're dealing with the arts. I think that that's something that's pretty well known. Like if my goal in life was to be a bank teller, I bet you I could deliver on that nine to four. Yeah. <laughs> nine thirty to four Monday through Thursday. <laughs> till three on a Friday and not on the weekends with an hour long lunch break, maybe a night with an hour long lunch in between. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I could, I could crush <laughs> that. <laughs> I could crush those hours. Barely oh, plural. Okay. Well, that's clearly not what you're made for. But, but when you're an artist, when you're storytelling, it's harder because you can't always, it doesn't always fall into your lap that way. So like, you know, we just mm. talked about our grandfather who yeah. ran an interior design store. Yeah. He had a whole main hustle that eats up a lot of his time to tie it back together. The reason that I know these things of him on stage and like, you can sort of see the snippets of it. There are all these old photos of him 
that I've mm. come across that our that our mother put into a box somewhere. And and then again, we're back to the power of a single image and how yeah. much of a story that can tell about a person's life. And that wraps back to our father. And it's like it's all just what has been there, you know, the nucleus elements around us. Yeah. Were well, and that's it. That's exactly the way that I talk. Yeah. I say I had an actress mom and, and a photographer dad. She told stories on stage. He told stories through through his camera. And then the fact that he was like a photojournalist, like he could actually write a good story, like, and then nobody yeah. could spin a tale just sitting around or like the way that he would, Ugh. he would break his, his, um, his subject, get them to smile, get them to loosen up when he's doing a portrait session with the top CEOs and, and artists in the world mm -hmm. who are coming in all prim and proper. And he would get them to break. Why? How? Because he would tell a ridiculous out of this world, inappropriate and wildly charming story. And I just think that that's, it's, it's not only in the profession, but it's in the, it's in the practice. And it, it sums up a lot of our comedy right there too, which is comes out of nowhere, breaks people down <laughs> too bad. Sometimes wildly <laughs> boring. Yeah. And it's just awful. It's like, thanks. When I, when I find myself talking to random store employees, the way that pops used to, I'm yep. like you, son of a gun. Like I'm, I'm now that person, yep. and and I realize, uh, do your kids get embarrassed when you do it? Are they like, um, yeah, I get, yeah, they're usually out of the store while I'm still talking. <laughs> this is no, but Karen, uh, my my wife, for the listeners, they she she says she's been saying this thing lately where she's like, ah, and like if I'm walking past somebody, and, and then I, I I will not say hi typically. Like if it's somebody that I know, I, she's like, there you go. You start with a joke. You start with a joke. Like I always try to, I try to say something like, Oh, the sky, the sky's blue. Like my feelings used to be until this sun came out. Hey, like <laughs> they're not good jokes. Never. And Karen just keeps walking. I hope she's like, you, you can't yeah. just say hi. No, I keep walking. I don't even give them a chance to respond. Oh, you don't even, <laughs> you don't even I wish you, you should really start with knock, knock jokes then. Cause that'll get your audience engagement. You, knock, you know, knock, say hello, knock, knock. And there's great storytelling. You get the hook, you get them hooked. I want to hear like, okay, so where's this led you? So this is this path, this history. Yeah. This before has led me into into acting, into speaking, into, you know, I spent a, a career as a youth pastor. And in that, I even see how that was pulling out people's stories, how that was retelling an ancient story and, and getting weekly opportunities to speak and tell my own stories and all this stuff. But just, I'm, I've been finding all these ways to tell stories with my voice. Mm -hmm. You went a different route, have gone a different route. And so tell us what that is, what that looks like now. And then uh, I, I want to hear a bit of kind of the transformation that, that it's been over the years. But what are you doing now? How are you telling stories yeah. these days? So there's, in the way of that, that bank, you know, teller analogy, um, I'm still not fully telling stories my way all the time. Hmm. Um, and, and again, as an artist, I think that's a really key thing you know when you look at uh even going back and this is something that i found i was thinking about not too long ago when i think about our parents again is you know you see our mother on stage you see her father taking photos and you think oh they're doing what they're meant to do but at times you know the plays that my that our mom was doing was like mm, is that really the one she wants to do yeah at times the you know 
family portraits and wedding sessions are not a photographer's dream. I think if you ask anybody except an actual wedding photographer, you want to shoot a wedding, they're probably gonna be like, mm, no, I think I'm good. Yeah. No, but it's a quick buck. but but it's but it's it's a way to to earn a living off of what you do. And so you sometimes sometimes they love them more and sometimes you love them less. So anyway, long story short, I'm currently really loving the you know the job that I've got, which is as a narrative director for a transmedia video game studio based out of Montreal. And so part of that, I basically am in charge of managing the storytelling coming out of a number of different voices. So I engage with our writing team on a web series. We're doing a 30 part web series right now. Yeah. Um, and to give you an idea, just a, just a concept, you know, 10, 10 episodes is about 60 pages. Um, those come into me on a Sunday. I go through notes. I give them off to other people. I get more notes. I, get, I filter all of the notes from our internal company, run them back together. And by tomorrow, we'll give them back to our creative so they can keep moving forwards doing the editing. And they will give me the next 10 episodes. Be, tomorrow being the next Sunday. Tomorrow being the next Sunday. You've yeah. got seven days to, to work through those. Yeah. So you basically, it's like seven day turnaround. At the same time, there's a, there's a, a mockumentary being done. Um, and again, a script for that being completely made. And I've never made a mockumentary before, so it's a little bit new, but we've got an idea. And so we've been working with external creatives on that. And that one's a little bit more interesting where there's a whole, there was a chunk that just wasn't landing the way that they were trying it. And because of the, the nature of this product, it's like, well, why don't I take a stab at it? And they were totally cool with it. And my producers are totally cool with it. So I just like, okay, cool. So the first 15 pages of this movie are now something that I wrote a few weeks ago. Um, and as we keep editing, it just like sets just a second though. This is what blows my mind yeah. with you is where you're like, Hey, this is what I came up with yesterday. And then you tell me this mm. convoluted, rich, deep story. <laughs> you're like, and I've already written 35 pages. Do you think it's a good idea? <laughs> like you're just so willing to just put it out, to type it out, to get the ideas down onto paper and then just give it a shot and see if it, see if it flies. It's, it's a, I'll tell you, it's a blessing and a curse. It is wow. a curse. And I get called on it from time to time by primarily by my wife, Amanda, <laughs> um, because she's like, all right, what, what are you writing? Is it yeah. the same, the thing you're supposed to be writing or is it something new? And I'm like, well, maybe it's, maybe it's something new. I don't know. Because then maybe it's influencing the, the something now. Maybe it's, yeah, hopefully. Maybe it's just an idea as to how to take an old idea and give it new blood. Okay. So, so. This is so the job that you're doing right now. You said narrative director. Is that the, the title? Yes, narrative director. So, so it's not just even writing a story or telling a story. This is where I think it's so interesting because I get to go in yeah. and like if I'm telling a story, that's the most like ground level, like field work. You know, I'm just I'm just telling the thought that came into my mind and I'm just blurting it out. And you're like, no, no, let me actually bring in all these stories and then align mm. them in such a way that it tells one complete story. There's just a massive puzzle at work that you are yeah. at the helm of getting to put into place. So yeah. there's this, <laughs> when you say it like there, that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, I mean, it really, it really is. One of the things that I say to people is, you know, we're, um, and, and, and you'll have to forgive me because I've got to skirt around some of the details. Um, oh, sure. Because none Top of this content secret. is out, right? So it's it's all NDA, NDA, which is also new. That's something fun when you get to that, you know, to to experience that kind of thing. But basically, 
like you said, there's a lot of different stories. Uh, we're part of a story world. So what a story world, think Star Wars, think Marvel. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. a lot of different products that tell pieces of the same story. Each one of them needs to stand alone, but all of them as a whole tell yeah. a bigger story. Yeah. Right. So the the very straightforward one is like the Thanos story. You know, the Avenger movies were the points of all the individual Marvel movies, which introduce all the characters and give yeah. you little plot points that then pay off in that big film. Yeah. Making those films less fun if you haven't seen all the other stuff. So. I get to navigate all those individual movies. And they can't contradict one another. They can't contradict one another. They need to build off of each other. They can't be hooks to each other. Like you can't end one movie with a cliffhanger and expect people to turn into the next one and be like, oh, that was a great reveal. Because if all they see is that second one, it's a terrible reveal because they don't know the context. Yeah. So, and then with our story world, there's a gap of about a century between an inciting incident and like the other things. So, I often say I'm putting the cart before the horse, but the horse hasn't been born yet. And when the (laughs) horse is born, the cart needs to be in the right place. So that's what we've tried to do. Um, And it's funny. I love uh, analogies. Analogies are so just the way we tell stories. Just just going back to the the heart of who people are. It's 100% how we say that, you know, these these leaves are dancing. And that's giving the stippling like... a leaf mm-hmm. dancing. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very much like what you're doing in the way that, which is, which is kind of funny. And I'm only just cluing into this as you just described what it is that you do. Yeah. It's a hundred percent. What, what I've got to do is take all of these external writers and coach their storytelling capabilities. It's not yep. their story in the way that like the capital T that you're doing it. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. the story that is their voice yep. and that voice needs to be brought along. Yeah. So, and, yeah. and I mean, that kind of came, as I was saying that as well, I'm like, look at what you're doing. You're bringing, and then I think about what I'm doing and like, I'm going to get on a coaching call <laughs> after this and listen to someone else's story. And they're going to tell me all these different moments of their life, of their life. And then I'm going to try to put it into a, a through line and find a really clear, like, um, yeah, aligned idea throughout mm-hmm. and, and give them a point at the end. And if, if that's not the same concept, then, then I don't know what it is, but, yeah. but this is what, for you then what's the point mm-hmm. you step into this <laughs> you get to do this and play play puppet master or coach then you get to um manage this story direct the narrative what uh mm-hmm. why does that matter for you like what's the impact when you when you think of somebody oh. consuming <clears throat> this what brings you joy about yeah that? it's so, so it's kind of funny i think at one point um it's always good to you know, like what you like what you're saying, what you try to do with people and is to get down to the core of like, oh, well, what's your story? You know, mm-hmm. you want to be a personal trainer. Why is it you want to be a personal trainer? That is what yeah. makes you good at being a personal trainer. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're in the arts, it's so it's so fluid, right? Like is somebody, uh, you know, when you look at uh, this is a weird example, but look at Bruce Springsteen. Right. So he's a he's a poet. He's now mm-hmm. an author. He's a musician. Mm-hmm. He took a show on Broadway, and this is where I really got hooked. And and there's a great insight that Amanda gave me about why I got hooked on this. But when you hear like Springsteen on on Broadway, um, it's just him. It's him playing a song, but telling the story behind where the song came from beforehand. So it's arguably mm-hmm. a guy on a guitar, some storytelling, and then his music. And he suddenly becomes a performer on top of like a stage performer on top of everything else, and an orator. And that there's just 
you can't pin that down. And I'm not like a huge yeah. Bruce Springsteen fan or anything like that. I've just been, and the thing that I liked about uh, Springsteen on Broadway, Amanda said, it's like, well, yeah, it's all story. It's like why I love baseball. There's just, there's time for stories to develop and to learn the story about somebody. And so in the way of me, what I love about what I get to do is that even though I want to be a filmmaker and I want to be a screenwriter and a director, what I'm getting to do right now is help direct and bring the products to an audience that are being influenced by how I think people will enjoy a story. So oh. I get to, you oh. know, okay. build, build a narrative with, with our podcast writer and work on a script or with the comic book person and be like, yeah, it's pretty good. But what if you did this? What if we altered how the flow of information happened? And then they're like, oh yeah. Well, so what? So they get your influence. Why, why does that matter to you? They get a story that's being influenced by you. So what? Do they get a better story? Like, what does that end up? Yeah. When, when your personal trainer tells a better story, like, what does it mean for you? Well, I think that story shaped the world. That's why I do what I do. That's my why. Yeah. It's, it comes down to that. When you share your stories, shape the world. That's, that's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is that? Four words. And then to, <laughs> to elevate that, when you share your story, you shape the world. So I'm helping people share their stories because I think, I believe that they shape the world. Um, and I, but that's me. What's yours? <laughs> You're like, I want, I just want people to know me. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think, well, be, uh, how do I put it? I want there to be good. Like, if you're going to tell a story, it should be good. It can be Why? elevated. Like, I've worked on a number of hallmarks because people deserve it. Because they don't, they shouldn't have to suffer through garbage just because something's being made. You know, like I've worked on hallmarks where I've honestly been right there with somebody and said, "Yeah, but maybe if you just did this, it would be ten times better." Mm-hmm. You know, imagine if. At the beginning of Star Wars, they knocked on the door to the to the ship. Like <laughs> they could have, they could have opened, they could have picked the lock, but no, they bust the thing open. You cut it through, you build tension, and then you have an entrance and a reveal. So, so this is the key, though, Thomas. What's the difference? Yeah. Somebody suffers through garbage <laughs> but chooses to do what it. What is a boring somebody, story, Alexander? Or somebody gets a, a more captivating story in their life. What does that do for them? What's the difference? How does that change them after that? One way or another. That's a good question. If I sit there and I watch, you you called out Hallmark. If I'm watching a Hallmark movie again, (laughs) that it was written by a freaking robot, then like, why am I, why am I putting myself through that when I know what it is? I know what I'm getting from from that. I know what I'm getting from watching crappy TV, (laughs) but you're saying people deserve better. And you you are stepping in to give them the better. To what end? Why? That's that's the what is that? How does that change them? Why do you care about that? It's such a deep question. That, I mean, I fear if I don't have a good answer, I should really just quit my job because what am I doing with my life? You do know that. Um, I guess so. You're you're gonna you're gonna get it out of me. I hope you get it out of me properly. Um, so so let, let me run through a couple little things about what sparks me joy and uh, and I saw a great thing the other day that was it was probably TikTok related you know it was a short 5 second idea concept and someone said move from I've got to I've got to get up and go to work to mm-hmm. I get to yeah. I get to get up and go to work there just simple idea you probably said the same thing in one of your one of your I, uh, I literally wrote in my journal today yeah 
congratulations, you wrote in your journal. Did you write this in your journal? Is that what you're saying? Are you writing it right now? Are you plagiarizing my words off of plagiarizing a TikTok? <laughs> I was writing about what I get to do, what I, I have to get on a crappy phone uh, podcast interview with my stupid brother. And I was like, no, I get to get yeah, on a well, crappy podcast interview with my stupid brother. So that's... <laughs> the best thing is that it's your podcast and you're calling it crappy. <laughs> that's what I take away from that. Yeah. Um, I, I thought I get to get up and talk to my brother uh, on his wonderful podcast this morning. Well, you're telling a better story. If you're like me, you might be showing up consistently, but you still feel all the fears and frustration of public speaking. I used to hold myself back because of this, but now as I show up more authentically than ever, I'm making more impact than ever, and I want to help you do the same. That's why I created the Fearless Speakers Academy membership a safe space where you can not only identify the exact fears that are holding you back from showing up, but also work on all the greatest tips and tricks that I've learned over 30 years as a performer and 20 years as a public speaker to captivate any audience. So you can show up with confidence online, on video, on a podcast, or on stage, wherever you find yourself today to use your voice and stand out from the crowd. In this membership, you'll get two live group coaching calls from me every month, as well as ongoing support through the community and all kinds of worksheets, downloads, challenges, and bonus offers along the way. It's only $15 a month. And if you go to fearlessspeakersacademy.com slash no BS, then you'll even get the first two weeks free to give it a shot and see just how much value is in there. Again, after that, it's only $15 a month. I don't think there's a better deal on the planet. Go to fearlessspeakersacademy.com slash no BS so that you can face your fears, make speaking magical, and tell a better story. So I, you know, I get to get up and talk stories with people. I get to get up and elevate stories with people and create you know, play make-believe. Arguably, anybody that does this kind of thing, you know, we get to play make-believe. A, a photojournalist captures reality. We, I get to make it up. Um, and why that's important to me is, you know, as an audience member, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to have my time wasted. Um, I want a bit of escapism that treats me with a bit of intelligence and I can pull something away from it. Um, you know, I think I think that people always, you know, want to be entertained. I mean, the state of the world is is scary. It just is flat out scary right now. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that could keep you in bed, mm -hmm. just you know, doom scrolling or head in the sand away from things. Yeah. And so when something is out there, and I'm not saying that what we're doing and what I'm doing is you know going to fix people's perspective or really lighten the load of what reality brings them. But if you can, if you can be entertaining enough for an hour and a half, however long, you know, 10 minutes, great TikToks, you know, th up to three minutes in length, 10 seconds. Sometimes that sparks sparks enough in your day that you, you sidestep a little bit of what has been going on. Yeah. Um, and so when you can take the same information that someone's going to get and you can tell it in an interesting, compelling way that lets that gets them to lean in. Like that's always, mm. you know, one of the wonderful things. There's that lean in and lean back kind of internet engagement. And yeah. I think the lean in stuff is where, you know, if I if I put a potted plant on this table, you don't care. 
if I put a box with a question mark on it first and then slowly open it and then pull out a potted plant, that potted <laughs> plant is now a reward for you, right? It's just, it's a reward though, but it's like you're intrigued. You lean in a little bit and that, that's freaking brilliant. I, I just want to make, I want it. That is so, you just quickly thought of that and said that, but I really want to make sure that people heard that because that's <laughs> so, that's so exactly, that's teasing the tension. That's just it. And it, it mm-hmm. was nothing. It was the same same object but all that you did was just delay it a little bit and and as you say like uh, a theater or or tv or film whatever but i just imagine an audience actually like standing on the stage Mm -hmm. and and like what can you do to get them to go hmm to lean in yeah and just to forget about the noise yeah exactly so so that's what i so so when i look at work that's what i get to do i get to get there with other writers it's, I mean, and, and it, it's a tricky thing. There's a, there's a big part, you know, there's um, uh, in our other interviews, like we've, we've definitely talked about like imposter syndrome at times and, yeah. and how hard it is to get to do what you want to do. And so there are parts where I'm like, you know, working away at something and, and in my previous career as a script supervisor, so we, I don't know if there's still time, we'll, we'll talk about how we got to where we are. Um, but when I was on set and I was in the background and I was helping other people tell their stories and would bring things to the table to talk about, you know, if you if you put the box down first before just carrying the pot, pot of plant in, I'm now really engaged in all the other information going on in the scene because this is now more engaging. Mm-hmm. And I'm, there's a hook. And none of that stuff would get listened to. It would just be, it would be thrown out the window. Um, mm. And that's fine because it's not my story to tell. It's, it's someone else's. Um, and it's not the job of a script supervisor necessarily. I would be brought into conversations. It would be great. I would see the opportunity, talk about it with people, you know, Producers, directors, writers, like yeah. actors, all, all the people that are the decision makers. And they would ultimately get all shut down because it wasn't my job. And, and I realized at some point, I really want that to be my job. I'm good. When I got to make my feature film and I, and I stuck to my guns and there were people who were like, you need to cut to this kind of shot here. And I'm like, mm, but why? And I get to the root of why they want it. I'm like, okay, cool. That's, that's exactly why I'm not cutting to it. Because you want something as the audience right now. You really want to see yeah. inside of this moment. And yeah. I want to hold it from you so that when I get you there, it's a bigger payoff. Anyway. So this is what's so interesting <laughs> to me. And you did, you alluded to it and all this stuff. Like you've got this, this rich history now of over 20, 20 years, 23, 24, yeah. more than that. Almost 25 years oh, in the don't, film Don't keep industry. counting. No, stop, stop counting. <laughs> stop counting. <laughs> you got into it. Before anybody yeah. knew what they wanted to do in high school, you knew what you wanted to do and you get into that. And I'm going to, we'll probably have another conversation where we really go into this, but, but let's stay where we are today. I'm just going to go surface level for you. Um, mm-hmm. And, and you go through, you, you, I tell people that you've done every, every role there is to do in the credits. When those credits roll, Thomas's name has been next to, I think just about everyone um, at some point in his career, including director which is what you just talked about in the last, what was that? How many years mm-hmm. ago was that? Five? Uh, I think it was four four years ago. Now. You got to write and direct feature film called Fugue, F-U-G-U-E. And it's a, it's a great yep. sort of mind-messing thriller. Um, oh, that's nice. It's on Prime. It's on iTunes. Go watch it. Fabulous. Excellent. Again, F-U-G-U-E. Um, and... In that, you're saying what I love, what you loved about that was the ability to have final say. Mm. Yes? Mm-hmm. I think it, it was yeah, the ability to tell the story the way that I wanted to tell it. Because, and this is the key, 
this is what, this is what I'm really drawing to here is, is the, because, and again, you know, that's what, what's the motivation. I don't care if a director wants to tell the story the way he wants to tell it. Why does he want to do that? Why? That's what's going to pull me in. And, and I think it's, I think as you're talking through this, I think it's actually the same reason that I have. And I'm just going to tease that for a second because I do want to hear from you, like what shifted this? Because you said at some point you weren't telling stories. So for many years you were working (laughs) as a manager. Yeah. So the arts are strange. There's, there's ebbs and flows. And, uh, I mean, you know, we, we were not people that, at least I was never someone who didn't work. I had a, you know, job in high school. I've never not had a job really actually bizarrely until I got fully into film later on in life where there's big gaps of time in between shows at which point I was the most gainfully employed, but also the most unemployed at the same time. It was great. Uh, the paradox of being an artist. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but I, I, uh, you know, had a quick start in film and then there was a lot of things. I actually made a little film about a one year called why this year you get a short film instead of a present for Christmas, which was a little mini documentary. I, re- I just remember this about why the I was joys broke. of having a filmmaker for a brother. Oh, you made me another VHS. Me another film. <laughs> Thank <Short> you. Film. <laughs> um, but, but I got into retail because it's consistent. You get paid. And, yeah. and I now, like, I'm actually, you know, one of my many ideas is writing a story about someone who's caught in the retail way, as I like to call it, um, and starts to see that it's wrong. That Like, you know, when whenever I travel with film um, and go to different towns, I'm always intrigued by what the industry in that small town is. Why are people living there? What is it that, that allows them to live here? Because, you know, you have people move to metropolises because that's where the jobs are, because they need jobs to be able to survive mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of a capitalist economy. There are lots of places we go to where it feels like there's really retail, that retail is the job and retail is also the thing that people do. And so it becomes a snake that eats its own tail. And it's like, you know, you work your butt off at Cinnabon uh, and the more you work there, the bigger the butt and, uh, and the money you make, you spend at the mall because there's nowhere else to go where nothing else to really do. And it just keeps itself going and like nobody needs it. So anyway, um, so I, I work in retail. Uh, I worked at clothing store for a while uh, until one day I decided I need something different. And then I started managing a, a, a video store, which became a telecommunications company. And I got to see the death of video rentals, which was really depressing mm. um, because it was just like even my corner store where I live now in the middle of nowhere where there's no industry, by the way, everybody here drives somewhere else to work. There's not a thing. There's a, there's a gas station. There's Kirk's gas and convenience right. store, and nothing else. So there's four people employed in town. Um, or maybe there's like there's a you know town center. Do they that. still rent movies though? It's still those like it's got a little orange stick, orange Velcro sticker on it. I have rented so many great movies. There's if filmmaker friends out there that are listening, if you've seen the movie Goodnight Mommy, which was a friggin' great talk about a great reveal and a great way to tell a story and really eerie. It's it's uh, German. Um, go seek it out. I think it's somewhere somewhere on the internet. Uh, it's got to be on on one of the platforms. But those filmmakers got to make another movie, which was a really low budget, you know, North American film called The Lodge. Again, same kind of creepy vibes, all this kind of stuff. I couldn't find it anywhere. And then my corner store has it for rent. And then they sell it off for $2. When they sell movies previously used, they're just like two bucks. I have bought so many great movies from this place. And now because of COVID, the movies aren't being transferred across the border. 
they're no longer delivering. Mm. And so while it was going on for a good while, it stopped at some point. And so now they might not rent movies anymore. And it kind of breaks my heart a little bit because there's something, I don't know. There's something, you know what, it, it, I'm going to try to link this back to storytelling that I, which is, you know, my cherished memories of going to the video store. And you know, because you and our friends used to come and terrorize me as I worked at a video store in high school. Yeah. Yeah. So he's working at the store and then we would go in and we would move all the movies around in the store. Oh, we put like Romy and Michelle's high school reunion behind the screen <laughs> box or something like that. So now, and then we would just, we would... <laughs> We'd play video hockey where we just stand in the aisle and toss movies, <laughs> the cases. Yikes. It's just like, oh, uh, okay. okay. it's awful. Anyway, so, but, but there's something to be said about the, the, the journey that you go on. You want to watch a movie. So you journey, you go on an yeah. adventure to the video yeah. store, you deal with the conflict of what movie you're going to rent, you make a final decision, you bring it back and you. And that's your decision. And now you yeah. you live with the choice you've made. The the platforms of you know the Netflix of the world are. I mean, what was the Onion article that there's like a new platform that's just a scrolling package where all you're <laughs> able to do is scroll through everything. Honestly, thing. there's so many people that could fill time with that just that because yeah. there's no choices you have to make. You can stop at any given moment and go to another thing. You don't have to live through anything you've watched, anything you right. choose. Okay, so here you are retail you watch the death of the film industry i mean you are telling yeah. this is what's amazing yes you get distracted you go off on rabbit trails but all in all you're telling even in those rabbit trails you're telling its own sort of three-act story a little bit of like yeah no i loved movie rentals so much that i became that got into that and now here i am finding the only living video rental place still in existence and finding yeah. this absolute gold which is exactly what you're doing i think in general so there we go. Just to wrap that up with a nice little package, but take yeah. me to this retail journey again. Just bring us back to that. Take so so um, working in a store completely not related to what it is that I do now to what I'm born to do and what everybody I work with knows is what I'm born to do. When I say you know in high school, my last year, I'm like, hey guys, I'm going to take off the first week of school. Um, I'm going to be here for one day and then I'm going to leave because I'm going to go to TIFF and I'm going to watch a bunch of movies. And not one teacher gave me any hassle. They're like, yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just like, yeah, do it. Um, when, my, when I was managing, you know, multiple stores in, in a retail setting, uh, you know, different employees, different budgets, different schedule, all the kind of stuff, I would take vacation and go work on a movie. And I would go actively, like my time off, I spent on set working because I was moving towards that and they understood it. They, they got it. And some of them never expected me to ever come back. And But of right. course, the realities of having to pay rent uh, was like, yeah, I need to come back until I can get hired properly. And is that what happened? You just got, you got a first. And that is next. And gig. then I got that opportunity. Yeah. And basically there's, you know, there's, what, what, what do they always say? Like the, the concepts of you got to be in the right place at the right time, but you also have to be prepared for it. And if you're not prepared, if you're not able to deliver when you get that mm -hmm. opportunity, when, when, when Alexander Street calls you and says, come be on a podcast and tell your story, if you don't know how to tell that story, interestingly, he's going to cut you off and he's going to say, this is a boring story. And you haven't uh -huh. cut me off too much, so I think I'm doing all right. Because um, you just keep talking. Because <laughs> I just keep talking. This is part of my strategy. Ask Amanda. But she'll tell you. You've said Amanda a few times, just, just so everyone's aware that's yeah. his wife. That's my wonderful wife. His blessed she, wife. She is just... The so here's greatest thing that's ever happened. Here's what I know about you and what I what I what I again I, I said I'm gonna tease this and where I think that we mm -hmm. 
where I think this actually all comes together. And I didn't know this coming in, but I, I, as you described what it is that you care about and, and why you're out here making stories, telling your story. Um, first of all, what I hear just to, just to put your story into an arc, there is this sense of like, here you are wanting to tell your own story, whatever that, like not your own story, but your, your story. Story my way. Yeah. Tell, there you go. But the thing is like growing up, it was looking for that opportunity. And then I would say like, so how do I, it's, it's almost like, how do I tell a story? And now mm -hmm. it's now you're telling it, but you went through this lull. You went through this dip of like somebody else is telling my story. Like, as you get into retail, that's not your journey. Like you, you are managed, you are controlled. You are like, it's not to mm -hmm. really 1984 this, but like, it's, it's that idea where it's not, you're not doing your own thing. Right. So, so here you are being this eccentric character through high school and everything that you are that you stand out the teachers actually know who you are you know what you're going to do you go into that and by all means you're going to go and tell your own path and then you're not this is where it's the same story it's the relatable story you get into that that groove and then something shifts you out of it to get to this point where oh i'm gonna go and yeah i'm gonna go and make that thing like i'm gonna go and do that and then you get to the mm -hmm. point where you actually make the thing. You actually make the movie. <laughs> this is what's so triumphant about your story is so, so great and so relatable because you know that you're supposed to do something, but it's not until later in life that it's realized. And that's, mm -hmm. in my experience, working with people, that's the same story. It's going from wanting to, to, to doing, wanting to do it, to doing it, to doing what you want. Yeah. And, well, that's good. Wanting... <laughs> Wanting to do it to doing what you want, I guess. That's good, by the way. Is that a, is that okay? Is that authentic? Does that feel like I that, think that makes sense? It feels it feels very right, and, and I'll sum it up in in two elements of that, which is yeah. you know again theatrical mother, photographer father, yeah. put those two together, and you get the video medium, and you get the video medium in a kid, me at sixteen, who buys his first video camera that doesn't have a battery that works, and starts to see you can tell stories this way. And here's how I want to combine the two people that have influenced me the most. Cut to, you know, 20, 20 something years later, mm -hmm. and I'm on set doing the same thing, living with the limitations of not having a battery because there's only an extension cord. Some of our <laughs> gear didn't show up. All the things that I learned that I that I pushed myself yeah. through, that I you know, that I made you suffer through and through our friends suffer through at 15, 16, give or take, um, I came back to play. That yeah. same that same bit of the story. It's almost like the wheel completed. So yeah. Well, completely. Go. And this is what's beautiful. And that makes for an interesting story. That's it. But here's and here's the key. And I've been again, I've been teasing mm -hmm. this the whole time because I've had to. I've locked into what my reasoning is and what the moment was and all this. And there's a different there's I don't think that there's, you know, you talk about turning point. Here's who I was, and then this what happened to make me who I am, and the what happened, that that peak, mm -hmm. that climax. I don't think there's the moment. I talk about it as there's a moment, just pick a moment in your life because there's a number of them more than likely. Oh yeah. There's many of them that have shifted you. That Are you, you asking me to about. do that? Or no, 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 no. So I'm okay. just saying that's how I see this. But one of those moments and one of the yeah. most significant ones was when our mom passed away. And this was mm -hmm. nine years ago now. And I had a conversation with her and she helped me see, I asked her, why do you, why do you 
like, what did you think about acting your entire life? And she said, it was the gift of entertainment. <gasps> That's what I love. Great question to ask her. <laughs> man. And so, so she said, oh man. So she, <laughs> yeah. this was like, yeah. like a few days before. And, and um, she said that it was the gift of entertainment. It was, and just that word gift is different. So she said, when she's on stage, it wasn't about what happens in the theater, believe it or not. Um, but it was that that she could make the audience feel something that they would take with them outside yeah. of the theater. So if I can make them laugh, then they might take that joy with them. I remember. Mm-hmm. like, And I was like, holy crap. Something sparked that I'd say, you know, didn't, really didn't come to fruition until six, seven years later. Um, but something shifted in me to realize that this isn't about, I spent my entire life trying to create the moment, trying to create a memory, mm-hmm. trying to make that moment matter, that moment as explosive and memorable. And I'm going to stand out to you. I'm going to have an object. I'm going to, I'm going to create something here with this audience, not realizing that it's actually, it's actually about what goes beyond here. It's actually about how can I, how can I make them experience something here that they take mm-hmm. with resonates them. and that's yeah and that's about feeling that's about emotion that's not that's nothing cognitive that's that's emotional and so i think what you're saying is the same thing instead of just being a time suck instead of just being something to distract you for an hour and a half i want something that's going to shift the way that you see our broken world right now that's the mm-hmm. difference between a boring story, a crappy, whatever it is that you're spending your hour and a half watching in romantic comedy to something that, that gets you. Eternal sunshine of the spotless you. mind. There you, you go. know, you take a romantic comedy and you make it something that's fantastic, that challenges the heart, challenges the mind, uh, perceptions that there's a fractured world. Like you can pack all of that into, you could pack all of that into a Hallmark, but they choose not to. Something that makes you see the world different. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's shaping the world. Like, I think that's so, this is what I'm getting at. Like you create moments to, mm-hmm. to form stories that shape our world. Would you agree that that is to some degree, whether it's those words or not, that's what's driving you? It's, if nothing else, it's something that I um, aim to do. And this is something that I actually struggle with currently is how my voice continues. Like I got to make one movie and you kind of, you know, you make one, you make one piece of art of anything. And it's like, Oh, here's the thing that's kind of was like bubbling over. And then you have to do it again. And you're either pulling from a back catalog or you're making something new. And as you go to make something new, you realize like suddenly there, there was an audience, people listen to what you said. And so what do you want to say next is a little scary at times. Yeah. Because you have that, you know, if you get, if you get the opportunity, like it, it is not simple when you work, when you talk about mm-hmm. film, you know, it is, it takes, you watch those credits. That's a lot of people that come together to make one piece of art. And when you have that many people coming together, it takes a lot of money. And a lot of money comes from someone that says, yes, let's make this. And that yeah. is a hard world to be in, to tell your piece of art and to tell your story the way that you want to tell it. So it's, it's challenging, you know? A little different than than Jimmy going and making his TikTok and then being like, well, that one wasn't good. I'm going to go make another one. Um, and yet the same sort of thing, if you do get a viral one, then you go, oh, should I do the same thing? And now what is your storytelling compromised? Are you now and then you, subject? How many times have you seen a, what they want? a video of a creator saying, I need a break. 
I can't do this anymore. It's no longer fun for them. It's now an oppressive need that they have to fill because that's what is now expected of them. And that is heartbreaking, I think. When I see that on people's pages, I'm heartbroken. And I try to go back and see as early of a video as I can to see what what got them started. Why did they get here to begin with? Um, And then where did they go? It's an interesting it's an interesting experiment on TikTok because when you go back it feeds so much of the story in. So this is the before the before. Yeah. This is everything that we've done. This is uh this is Thomas Street. This is these are the conversations that we have. It felt like we were just talk, talking on the phone here uh like we normally do. Um and mm-hmm. I thank you for this. I thank you for your wisdom of what makes for a good story how you did go into and accept the digging of the questions that i was asking here and i think that you brought out some some absolute gold as i say um along the way uh to help us tell a better story today and so no doubt we'll do this again and we'll go more into the story or we'll go into more specifics around storytelling and what makes for a boring story and how to avoid that that'd be fun so i gotta tell i gotta tell you as, as it's really interesting how much like, I mean, at one point I remember a dinner where I had literally just been got like been paid to write the outline to a pornographic film for somebody, which was the most ridiculous thing in the world. That's great. But they offered me 50 <laughs> bucks to write this outline at the same dinner. You announced that you got into, <laughs> you got into a Bible college. And so our family were like, here's the the priest and the pornographer. And our mother shot her wine out of her nose at like Christmas dinner. And it couldn't have been more different. And now what do we do? We both analyze and, you know, study storytelling in people, how they react to it. We're like, we're practically helping each other. We're doing the same research. Arguably, we should really just be doing this more often and Maybe what you're saying is that I need to tag team in on some some interviews with some people and really, uh, you know, bring a different side to to their to their questions. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Did you just shoehorn yourself into? <laughs> I shoehorned myself into no boring stories. That's another. No, that's that's a whole other podcast. The priest and the pornographer yeah, exactly. podcast. That's something. I think that's got like. <laughs> You know what would be really funny about that is that there's only one host. There you go. Yes. Who's showing up today? Little Mr. Yeah. Robot. Um, two seconds. Two seconds for you. Uh, last night, watching Jurassic Park 2 and 3. That's what I did with my evening. For some reason, I had a hang. We watched Fallen Kingdom. Revisit. We watched Jurassic World. Fallen Kingdom last night. Oh, nice. We just, we just finished the yeah. whole series with our children. <laughs> We're terrified of it. Yeah. <laughs> the, I mean, the first one The first one is so good. The first one is so just good. like... So good. Th- this, is, this is why I was watching 2 and 3. Because I, I'm... I'm intrigued by, yeah, exactly, right? Like, so iconic, so great. Mm-hmm. I can't believe they hired someone with a melodica to do the theme song for it professionally. It's just fantastic. Um, but but I was curious, like, I was talking about it with, with Amanda, and I'm like, what even was number three? All I remember is William H. Macy and, and Pterodactyls. I mm-hmm. couldn't remember anything else about it. Same. But yeah. before I watched number three, I wanted to watch part two. And I was like, man, these just aren't, they just aren't as good. But here's here's what I want to come back to. A long time ago, I had an idea for a TV show called Well Adjusted, which is about insurance adjusters. It's an office place comedy mm-hmm. about somebody earning their job as an insurance adjuster because insurance adjusters only ever meet people when something's gone wrong in their life. And that is great storytelling conflict right there. You're instantly in drama. 
If you think right. of you know why people love cop shows, why they love medical shows, there's instant stakes and instant drama. So I have this thing called Well Adjusted. And then as I'm watching Jurassic Park 2, I'm like, oh my goodness, maybe this is the in, is that the insurance claims they get are from the person on the street who got backed into by somebody speeding away from a Tyrannosaurus Rex that's been let loose on San Diego. So the insurance claim comes from John about yeah. Mary who backed into his car. So you think the insurance because of InGen. Mary is like, no, no, it's InGen's fault. They're why I did it. So Mary's insurance company are now fighting John's insurance company to say it's InGen. And so now InGen is involved. And you literally just deal with the death of a thousand paper cuts that insurance claims from feature films would create. So one episode is that moment. Another episode is like, I got sideswiped by these Fast and the Furious people. Um, you know, I was someone was shot by a cop because they were just shooting at everybody like in heat. That's like, like that. you know what? There's a little bit of that in in which Avengers Civil War where they actually dealt with that. I felt I felt like it was so interesting where there it, the Civil War is all about the government, the fallout of of yeah. this battle the, that happens in Age of Ultron, movie, right? Yeah, where this city fell on people and they have to deal with it, and and the, the like it's this. And then the government's like, hey, you can't just be wild superheroes out there destroying stuff, Hulk smashing. Yeah. But you're saying, okay, yeah. now let's so go just to imagine it. everybody. So then it's just all about everybody yes. passing the buck and dealing with the people that are that are in the middle of that. And that's just the backdrop. So it's just, it's really not about that. It's about those people. And you've got again, a Steve Carell character as the character. boss. Now it's funny. There yeah. you go. Yeah. You know, people that are fighting for their jobs and you're yeah. in your set. So that's, okay. that's, as you say, the ideas that hit you all the time. That's what this is last it. Night I'm so glad that you just gave movie. us a taste that you just let everybody that's listening to this know this is really what our conversations are like. This is it. I'm like, <laughs> all right, it's time to go. He's like, okay, just one more second. Um, just one more second. Here's this idea that I've got. <laughs> that's it. That's it. And, so, um, yeah. But again, what I love is that you never let those ideas just sit. They always come out somewhere and, and all of that, that this has become, thank you for helping us, um, tell not boring stories. And <laughs> did I help? Look, yes. Yes. Is the answer confidently. Oh, yes. That's all right. sweet. All right. Thanks for your time. Thanks for listening. This has been no boring stories. I am Alex street and we are just getting started. I'd love to know what you thought of this conversation, so please feel free to reach out to me on my website, on Instagram, or in the Fearless Speakers Academy and share your thoughts. In the meantime, honor this conversation, go out in your life, and tell a better story today. We'll see you next time.